Welcome to Punches and Punchlines, where we break down the best fights with a sense of humor. And now, your hosts, Fritz and Franco. Shannon Courtney, 27 years old, coming in at 5-1, versus Dorota Norak, 6-1, 31 years old. When we do our award show here in another couple weeks, Franco, this might qualify for female knockout of the year. She literally knocked her off her feet. Yeah. This was a fun fight to watch. It didn't start out great. The first couple rounds were pretty close, but it looked like Dorota, she would come out composed, and then there was flashes where she would switch to playground style, you know, where I really thought she was going to, like, pull her hair, like high school kind of shit. The whole time, Courtney, the whole time she was fighting, she kept composed. She really... uh, Uh, showed that she has some boxing skill Mm -hmm. and when she ran that right literally right on the button and knocked her off her feet i was like amazed i'm like oh my goodness that was a knockout yeah for sure i actually i did know a little bit about shannon courtney going into this only because she um i don't want to call her like an instagram model because that's not what she is it's definitely her page is all about boxing and stuff but she is very fashion forward uh at the weigh-in she had yeezys on she always has adidas on i almost wonder if she's she has to be sponsored by adidas because she was head to toe in adidas which would also explain the yeezys but uh i i had been following her and was excited to see her fight because I had heard a little bit of hype about her, but it sounded, it felt like it was only hype. Like that's all it was. And then I didn't know anything about Dorota other than what they told us, which was that she could be quote unquote dirty. Like that's what they said right as the match was about to start. So I was, I was waiting for that. And then I did see that playground style that you were talking about where that first round, it was almost like a joke. She came in head first, was punching her with both hands, but with like the inside of the gloves, like she was like slap boxing. Mm-hmm. It was, it was really bizarre it was it threw me off completely but also i'm like there's no way she can do that for the whole match and after that first round you know you could see that courtney was definitely the the quote-unquote real boxer you know if you get in the ring you're a boxer to begin with but you could tell that her training was legit and she held it down with just good boxing and then when she finally kind of found her moment to go in for the kill it was like she really killed her like both like you said both feet left the ground she spun hit the ropes like she hit the second rope and i I was legit scared that maybe she had like hit the rope in a weird way or something right. that Dorota was hurt uh, more than just the knockout. Sometimes the best knockouts are not the ones where you see guy going for the knockout, but the ones that just let the knockout come to them. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what she did. She let this other woman get herself knocked out. Like she left that her jaw wide open and just landed that perfect shot. I do think a lot of the Adidas stuff has to do with the fact that she loves Run DMC like me. Uh, I think that she really just I wouldn't be surprised if one of these days she comes out to uh, my Adidas. Like, I think that'd be wonderful. I, I'm i interested definitely in seeing Courtney fight again. She fought Ball, I want to say, before this. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a legitimate test. But if you look at Norak's prior opposition, combined in her 6-1, and one, her opponents were 9-15-2. and two. That's <laughs> the combined record of her opponents. Now, I can't say Courtney's is much better because including her loss to Ball, her opposition was 19-28 and nine. So I'd like to see her, you know, she came off a loss and and answered the bell, but I'd also like to see her step up and I'd like to see her again against 
against another, just like this, another fighter that's got the above 500 record and just keep moving forward. And maybe she can go for the belts because the boxing skill is definitely there. Mm -hmm. And I saw that knockout punch coming. Norak definitely didn't. Um, So (laughs) I definitely want to see Courtney fight again. Yeah, it was a cool fight. If anybody didn't see the knockout, I strongly recommend looking it up. It's definitely awesome highlight reel material for Shannon Courtney. I also can't wait to see her again. I'm I'm completely invested. But really the thing that impressed me the most was how, and you kind of touched on it, how cool, calm, and collected she remained. At one point, Dorota had both her hands on her face, was pushing her forward, and then hit her kind of with a spear, like an old school Goldberg wrestling spear and like drove her into the ropes. I would have gotten pissed. Like I, I, don't think I could have kept cool. I would have just hit her with an elbow in the back of the head or something. But props to Courtney. She she stayed cool. She waited for her moment and uh, got the well-deserved highlight reel knockout that she definitely worked for for seven rounds to be able to earn. James Tennyson, 27 years old, coming in at 27 and 3 versus Josh O'Reilly, 29 years old, coming in at 16 and 0. <laughs> now, when I saw this guy... Josh O'Reilly's record at 16-0, and 0, I was thinking that this was going to be a nice little uh, warm-up for the Saunders fight that was going to follow it. And I'm glad I didn't get up to grab any snacks because this was over quick. Tennyson has the three losses on his record. I did do a little research into who he had lost to. He lost to Tevin Farmer, okay, which is a, a really good boxer. He lost to Ryan Walsh, who I'm not all that familiar with, but Ryan Walsh had a good record. And then I go really deep into the Wayback Machine. One of his losses was to a guy named Pavel Senkus, maybe? <laughs> whose uh, career record is 2-64 and 5 going into the match. Oof. <laughs> so... It shows that you can have an off night, and uh, apparently uh, James was having an off night on that that night against Pavel. He's at lightweight now. These other losses look like they're at super featherweight. Maybe this is just a matter of a guy finding his right weight class, you Mm -hmm. know? not starving himself down to below where he should be because he knocked out O'Reilly so fast. This fight was over. It's it's the second actually, minute, I think. Yeah, probably lasted longer than it should have because the ref finally jumped in. <laughs> and this this dude was just either is not ready for this depth or didn't prepare well enough for this depth because Tennyson was like a goddamn buzzsaw coming at him and O'Reilly did not have the answer. No, you know, I almost wonder, like I would say maybe it's because O'Reilly is Canadian. He had to travel all the way across the pond plus with all the covid restrictions and everything like that couldn't have been an easy trip but at the same time other people are coming this way you know and having to put in the same mileage not really an excuse i think you might be right he was just you know shooting a little bit too high and he didn't look completely out of his element at the very beginning until he started catching those shots from tennyson if anything i think it might be not so much a shot against O'Reilly as much as it is just props to Tennyson for having bricks for hands. Dude came out to Destiny's Child, Say My Name. And when they started playing Destiny's Child, I was like, this is some goofy stuff. This is almost too cocky. You know what I mean? Like he's coming, Say My Name. Are you kidding me? And then at the end, I was like, holy crap. I was saying his name repeatedly because those punches that he was landing were so sick. The first big combo came in the first minute and he, and he put O'Reilly down. Riley 
you know, credit to him, he got back up and then he just came right back at him. And then less than a minute later, he knocks him out again. Really, I think that the ref maybe should have stopped it a little bit sooner. At one point, he he grabbed uh, O'Reilly's gloves. He said, can you step forward? And then he grabbed him by the gloves and pulled O'Reilly forward. And I'm like, well, of course he's coming forward because you're pulling like a toddler, like teaching a kid how to walk. He walked him forward. I was almost wondering if there was some kind of like a backstory to it that we didn't know about. Like maybe the ref dated O'Reilly's mom a long time ago and like she broke his heart and he still resents her for it. And so now he's like taking it out on her kid. And he's like, no, you're getting back in there and you're going to get pounded in the face for another 15 seconds. And then he like leads the poor guy in. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he, he still holds some kind of a grudge against his mom. And that's why he made him go back in there to get his face pounded. I hope this isn't the last time I see O'Reilly. I mean, mm-hmm. not that we saw much of him, but like I looked up his record and only like his first two fights were against sub 500 competition. But then the next 14 fights were all against guys with records above 500, real veterans. He didn't just go in against all tomato cans. So he got his record up to 16 and 0. He deserved this shot. And I hope that this isn't the last we see of him. You know, you, you're willing to step up to the big leagues. Risk your O. Like that's part of the game. So yeah. he's going to have to regroup, but I hope to see him back. I also want to see O'Reilly again, but I am curious to see what ends up happening with Tennyson. After the match, they were calling out different people, but the one that made my ears perk up was when they called out Raleigh Romero. And I was like, yes, because I remember when we watched Raleigh Romero and I hated that dude afterwards. Like mm-hmm. it was like a legit old school heel where I'm like, oh yeah, I want to see somebody go in there and just smash this dude's head in. I think that James Tennyson would be the perfect matchup just to see him get hit in the face with one of those bricks. Yeah, because Romero lost that fight, but it was given the decision and then was cocky mm-hmm. like he had actually won a real belt. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would anybody that wants to step up, Tennyson, I think is ready for him. Like this, he looks like a really legit lightweight and I was ha- more than happy to watch him. Let him get in the ring with, uh, with Broly. That'd be wonderful. Billy Joe Saunders, 31 years old. Coming in at 29 and 0 versus Martin Murray, 38 years old, coming in at 39, 5 and 1. Now, Franco, I think we can both agree right from the get-go that we watched this whole fight as a show. Uh, <laughs> as a show, we watched this whole fight. I got home from uh, from work late. It was uh, already in the sixth round was just wrapping up, and the announcer had just said, like, ah, it's been all Saunders. So I was like, all right, well, I imagine it's going to be all Saunders from here on out, too, so I'll just watch from this point. You watched what? I only watched the first half of this fight, and almost the opposite. I, I was watching the fight. And I was like, I'll get this fight in and then I'll go do other stuff that I need to do. And uh, I got through the first round. Literally in my notes, I wrote boring first round. Um, you know, they were still just feeling each other out. But yeah, Billy Joe Saunders definitely like dominated that round. And then second round, boring second round. BJS was doing all the work. Murray wasn't doing anything, but it still was kind of like they were feeling feeling each other out. But Billy Joe Saunders was definitely like dominating. And then the third round, it was another boring one. And the whole time I just start thinking about the names that I've heard that he either BJS has called out or that I've seen other people suggest. And I'm just thinking guys like Triple G, Canelo would murder this guy. Like he doesn't look bad. He's definitely better than Martin Murray, but he he would get slaughtered by these people. And I don't know, I couldn't finish it. I got through the fourth round. There was like a slip where it kind of, you know, was it a KO? Was it not? They marked it as a slip. Uh, Murray went down, like he got hit and then he tried to go forward to hold Billy Joe Saunders. And then he ended up like slipping and falling forward. That was, that was the most exciting thing that I saw. And 
and I'm like, oh my God, this is so boring. I have Christmas decorations I need to put up. I, I came back later. I kind of tried to get back into it and I was like, no, this is super boring. So I just skipped to the decision and it turned out I didn't miss anything. I'm guessing, did anything happen in the half that you watched? Because nothing happened in the beginning. No, nothing, nothing spectacular happened. Here's what I saw. This was like watching an opera. I really think that Billy Joe Saunders is a talented fighter. His fights do come across to me like an opera. Like there is definite, you know, highs where he was landing an uppercut almost at will. He was coming through with good jab. Like his footwork is great. And I'm going to tell you this, I hate opera. Okay? <laughs> I understand people are like, oh, those people are so talented. Absolutely. I get it. They're absolutely talented, but it's not something I want to listen to. Mm-hmm. When I hear it, I can recognize, ah, that is a talented person right there. They're able to play their body as a crazy instrument and hit all these crazy notes. They're definitely, definitely talented. Okay. When I see guys box like this, I go, absolutely. They're talented. Look how fast he can move his feet. Look how he is landing these, these jabs. Look how he's landing this uppercut. I can see the talent. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, what I love is when online, like Billy Joe Saunders fans would be like, oh, you're just not a boxing fan. If you don't like this guy, it's bullshit. I love boxing. I just don't love Billy Joe Saunders. I definitely will tune into his fights because I can see the talent there. It's just, I don't find it wonderful. It's like his fans try to convince you why you should like it. It's like trying to convince somebody who hates vanilla ice cream that they should like vanilla ice cream. It's like, it's your taste, man. Just because you <laughs> like chocolate doesn't mean that I'm going to like. I'm not saying that you're wrong for being a fan of them, but just don't try to bring me on board. I've seen enough that I get the talent. I get it, mm-hmm. okay? but I'm not a fan. No, I completely agree. Uh, I understand it. Like I get it, but I'm not, I, I love that. I love that as an explanation because yeah, I watched it I could see how he's good but it wasn't holding my interest like when he did get through it was with incredible speed like he was landing punches and he was getting around the defenses of Martin Murray but there was nothing exciting there wasn't going to be anything crazy and I kept waiting for it to happen and then it wasn't happening yeah it wasn't it wasn't exciting and I don't know I I'll see him fight again just because I don't think that he can live up to this hype that he's built up around himself or that his fans have built up about him it's like they've hyped him up to believe that he's something that I don't think he can live up to. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And he can hang with a Canelo or a Triple G, but I don't think he can. I think the Triple G, that Triple G ship has sailed. Saunders is not going back down to 160. And I don't see Triple G at his age right now going up to 168. So the Canelo fight I could see happening. I could mm-hmm. also see Canelo destroying him. <laughs> you know, the, the people always love to say there's levels to this game. There's levels to this game. I absolutely agree that Saunders is at the top of the 168 game. I agree that he can be in the top of this division. But I also think that the two best at 168 are going to be going for it on, on December 19th. Mm-hmm. I would take either Callum Smith or Canelo Alvarez over Billy Joe. I don't think that's insulting to Billy Joe Saunders. To say that he's a top four super middleweight, I don't think it's insulting. I think those two are just better than it. Now, if I, would I love if they got in the ring and he proved me wrong? Sure, I'm in. Just let me see that fight. I, I almost feel, like you said, you can see the talent and everything and appreciate it. I feel like there's just one small element that's missing. And like, if we could find that one little thing that, and I, I don't know what it is, and I wish I could, but like, you know, say what it is that he's missing. But it's like, there's one little little step that if he was to take it up, you know, from 10 to 11, that it would be a game changer for him. And he could maybe live up to the hype that has been built up around him. Josecito Lopez, 36 years old 
coming in at 37 and 8 versus Francisco Santana, 34 years old, coming in at 25, 8 and 1. <laughs> The biggest thing I will say about this fight is I hope Francisco Santana is okay. Mm-hmm. The His corner let him take a beating a lot longer than they should have. Now, both of these dudes had some losses on the record, but I looked it up. Like, they lost to some really quality fighters. Uh, Lopez had lost to Keith Thurman, fantastic fighter, a 147 belt holder. Not currently, but he had hold, held a 147 belt. Lopez had lost to Canelo, okay? He had lost to Jesse Vargas and uh, Marcos Medina, like all good boxers. Santana had also had some losses to Jared Hurd, Jose Benavidez. A couple of his names were recognizable as some of his losses. The reason I hope that Francisco Santana is going to retire after this is he has now lost five out of his last six fights, mm. and it's just time for him to be done. You can see the heart. Absolutely. You can see the heart, and it almost hurts me to say to a dude that proud, just please stop fighting. I, I love seeing a dude's heart like that. But once it's going to start affecting your actual life yeah no like not your living making a living okay that's totally different i think at one point he could lose his life if he keeps going forward it was definitely scary now the first round was kind of misleading i don't know if you remember santana went down from body shots at the very beginning of the fight and then he countered and kind of stunned lopez where it looked like lopez was going to go down and it was just both of them going back and forth and it was kind of like oh this is going to be one of those fights where it's two dudes just exchanging knockouts and you know another fun fight like a couple that we've seen and then it didn't happen. Lopez found his rhythm. He kind of settled in and then it was lots of action but unfortunately most of that action was Santana losing every round from then on out and just getting dominated for the rest of the fight. Now towards the end of the fight he ended up going down again. He got up. He went back to the corner. He clearly didn't know what was going on. You could see it in his eyes. He was stumbling around. Uh, At the end of the one round I believe it was at the end of the eighth the ref turned around and when the ref wasn't looking he literally stumbled back like he was barely able to walk his corner saw it they didn't do anything about it they just played it off like they didn't see it and it's like at that point you're doing a disservice to your fighter like you're putting them in a dangerous situation everybody saw it they just kept going like if though nothing happened so then when the round started back up and he started getting his face punched in again it was kind of it was weird like that the corner didn't stop it now the ref did do his part where he was like take a step to the left take a step to the right come forward do jumping jacks you know sing the first 10 lyrics to uh your favorite tupac song like he did all the things that they usually do in a fight and the fighter was able to do it but then when the corner was able to see that he couldn't even walk straight and they didn't stop it that's where it gets a little bit silly and if anything you know maybe if he does do another fight please have a different corner have different people standing behind you because this wasn't safe and when it's not safe it becomes not fun like it makes me feel like a dirtbag for watching you know like it's some kind of roman gladiator type stuff and it's like like should i should i be watching this should i feel bad for watching this i don't know now this is the perfect opportunity you just reminded me how bad the production was from fox on this pay-per-view after that wobble when he walks back they're like all right let's look at the replay of him just walking back to the room and then they go the booth sends them a replay of something completely unrelated you know they might as mm-hmm. well have showed a guy grabbing a beer they were not getting the stuff from their production that they needed now i like brian kenny's call and i'll say this i love lennox lewis as a boxer okay <laughs> like that's <laughs> as far as i'm gonna go in on that and then i don't love three-man booths to begin with because you always end up having dudes talking over each other but the production from fox i thought was garbage when they were asking for a replay they were never coming up with a good one 
one. We were getting shots of the referees back for, you know, two, three seconds at a time. You're like, somebody in that truck, go to the right camera. And that's my old man rant on that one. For the good fights that were on this card, they really should have done a better job producing it. Oh, for sure. I completely agree. There was multiple things where it just didn't make any sense. And then you're thinking about it and it's like, oh, this is this is leading into a pay-per-view. Like people were paying money to be able to see this. And then it's to have crappy production values on top of everything. And plus it's your Fox. Like this is kind of your new bread and butter where you're getting rid of the Simpsons and you're getting rid of all these shows and selling off your different assets, but you're going to kind of bank on sports. And then for you to suck at doing it, it's completely unacceptable. Miguel Flores, 28 years old, coming in at 24 and 3, versus Eduardo Ramirez, 27 years old, coming in at 23, 2 and 3. Now, Franco, this was the knockout of the night. When that, uh, I think it was the sixth round? Fifth Was it the fifth? So when that fifth round had started, we hardly had any time to settle back into our chair after grabbing another beer before this round was already over. You know, he connected with that jab, then came through. He came through with that shot that split the face of the dude wide open. He hit the mat, and the blood coming from his face, I was like, what happened? Like, that's the amount of blood you see after a 12-round fight where there's like 14 knockdowns, and the dude's eyes been gashed. But you look a little closer and he had literally ripped the dude's cheek open and it looked like he gave him like the old fish hook yeah yeah it was right at the corner of his mouth like the joker yeah it was crazy yeah it was you know it was a fun fight i definitely thought ramirez was dominating but it's not like flores was getting massacred or anything like that like he was still putting in a good fight really the only thing that really was distracting us from the fight so much was the giant tattoo that miguel flores had on his back you couldn't see any of the details of it. it was just a giant oval like a shaded in oval on in the middle of his back and so we were trying to figure out what it was and it's like no that's a birthmark like i don't even think it's a tattoo i thought for sure it was a birthmark i was like there's no way that's a tattoo and then i started looking a little more i was like well it's so centered a birthmark is never (laughs) going to be that centered So maybe it maybe it is, but yeah, this actually marked the second loss in a row for Flores, which I know we're going to see him back. He's still young enough, especially since he fought this fight where uh, Ramirez landed the better shot, and his last loss was to uh, Leo Santa Cruz, and mm-hmm. Santa Cruz is absolutely a fantastic boxer. You know, I hope he gets his face stitched back up and gets back in the ring because before he got knocked out, he looked like he was a fun fighter. Yeah, he didn't look bad. Like I said, Ramirez was definitely dominating. He was dominating only by a little bit. It wasn't that he was blowing him out of the water. Uh, That knockout was definitely amazing uh, when he launched Flores into the mat with his horrible tattoo, which we eventually did figure out it was the Virgin Mary. It took a little bit, but it was the Virgen de Guadalupe tattoo. This guy got it put on his back and then had so much shading that we thought it was a birthmark. But yeah, it it wasn't a bad fight. It was a cool knockout. It kind of checked off all the boxes, something that you want to see on an undercard. Sebastian Fundura, 15, 0, and 1, 22 years old, versus Habib Ahmed, 27, 1, and 1, 30 years old. Here's what I'll say about this fight. You see them in the middle of the ring uh, waiting for them to get the instructions and I wanted to laugh. This looked like a mismatch right from the get-go. Like a praying mantis fighting a grasshopper. You know, like, sure, they look similar, you know, like they (laughs) both could be fighters, but the praying mantis is just so much bigger and took this dude to school. Like, And props to Ahmed. He's 27-1-1 and you look at his fight record and he'll take fights from 154 all the way up to 168. The dude is just a gamer. Like, he wants to fight, but... 
he could get nowhere near the six foot six Fandura. Mm-hmm. And he looks so tiny and he's six foot tall. Okay. Yeah. He's not a small man. But he looks so tiny next to this dude. And how the hell do you get 154 pounds when you're six foot six? I don't, I don't understand it. It looked, he looked like a freak show. Like Fandura looked good in this match. He ended up winning, but the whole time, like at the very beginning, we were all just laughing hysterically because it looked so goofy. I said, he looked kind of like, you know, when they show old pictures from a freak show and it's like, oh, here's the world's fattest man, the world's tallest man and the world's shortest man having a beer together at a table at some pier in Boston. That's what this looked like. Like they took the world's tallest man and and put him in boxing shorts and gave him gloves. He was so much taller, but then he was so skinny that in my mind, I was kind of like, well, maybe Ahmed has a shot because this dude's legs are toothpicks. Like his legs were as big around as my arm. He had Mm -hmm. little tiny scrawny legs, but he was so tall. It's like, you know, if you land one good, those legs aren't going to hold him up. He's going to collapse like a a baby giraffe. And then Fandora just... (laughs) Fandora stunned him with that hard uppercut in the first. And it was kind of like, oh, like he's scrawny, but he's definitely got some power because when he hits you with that uppercut, he barely started swinging it. You're way down at the ground. Yeah. It's like a giant whip. You know, he can move those long arms. And by the time they get to their destination, they've, they've created some momentum. You know yeah. what I mean? It, uh, it was crazy to see this dude fight. I can't imagine how long he can stay at 154. I mean, he's only 22 years old, so he's going to continue to grow. There's no way he hangs at 154 for the rest of his career Mm -hmm. he was fast i'll give him that and landed with some power because ahmed i didn't recognize a lot of the names that he had fought but he had come up with 27 wins it was it was fun he was getting beat up you know what i mean so (laughs) i i want to see fandora again and you know i I, i'm sure we'll see ahmed again because the dude will take any fight he's just like 154 168 i don't care Let's do this fight. Yeah, I'm totally excited to see Fandora again, just because of it's almost like Butterbean back in the day where it's like, this is so weird that I can't take my eyes off of the TV, but he was legit. Like he was fast. He was landing hard hits. He had a combo that went for like 30 seconds before they finally stopped the fight. But it was like, he was so much taller. It almost like, like, like a bully. Like it looked like an older kid beating up a little kid, even though Ahmed is way taller than me. This dude is six foot. So like to call him him short is ridiculous but that's what it looked like and it was it was fun and kind of like a weird way and i can't wait to see him again and i wouldn't be upset about seeing ahmed fight somebody else i think that it's a it's a good fight no matter either one of the guys i ended up being fans of both of them Danny Garcia, 32 years old, coming in at 36 and 2, versus Errol Spence Jr., 30 years old, coming in at 26 and 0. Now, Franco, this was a wonderful welterweight contest. This division always produces wonderful fights. All right, mm-hmm. 147 is just a fun division. From the times when you had Leonard, Hagler, and Hearns all there with Duran, this division will put out some names. And man, this is a fun time for it too. So. So I was certainly happy to see Errol Spence get back in the ring. Now, I don't know that uh, Danny Garcia is necessarily going to be listed among the elite of 147. If he's not in the top tier, he's in like tier 1A, okay? Mm -hmm. Because this was not 
a mismatch at all. I just think that Danny didn't stay active enough in this fight. And I think he wasn't active enough because he was getting, anytime he would land one, Errol was landing two to three. It was just, uh, he was outboxed. And I saw no ill effects from any accident from uh, Errol Spence. You know, he had 400 and something days out of the ring because of his car accident. And yeah, Danny Garcia, he's really good. Like I've seen him fight before, but he did not look really good this this time around. See, I, I didn't think he looked that bad. I think it was more like the big question mark is, you know, was Spence going to be recovered from that car accident? And I think he looked like he was 100%. Like he was the same dude as before. And I think it's just that he's just a notch better than Danny Garcia. Danny Garcia is not bad by any means. Right. Like I didn't mean he looked bad in this fight. He just did not look as good as Errol Spence. Yeah, totally. Now, uh, it was kind of cool. This was in front of a crowd. They had it in... Was is it Jerry Dome? Uh, yeah, the AT and T Stadium in Texas. Yeah, they had it in Texas in a giant football stadium with giant screens, and it was it was cool to have the crowd reactions. Like I know we've mentioned it before, when it's the canned sound, it loses a little bit, but it's better than just dead silence. It was kind of cool to have like the real crowd reactions to stuff, especially because like Danny Garcia came out, he had Jay Z blasting, he had like the cool sparkly mask on with like you know he he bedazzled it himself and made it from stuff he bought at Michael's, but it was still cool. And then Spence came out and then he's the hometown kid and the crowd starts cheering. Like to have that element to it added so much more to the entire fight. I thought it made it really cool and it was a fun fight. Both guys were super fast. They did their thing, but like you said, Spence was just a little bit better. I thought when I saw Danny Garcia get ready for his ring walk with that mask on, I was waiting for the rest of the Jabberwockies uh, (laughs) dance crew to line up behind him because that's exactly what it looks like. I don't know if anybody <laughs> is familiar with the uh, the dance crew, the Jabberwockies, but that's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, I liked your comment where you're like, oh, I hope it doesn't weigh too much like Deontay <laughs> Wilder's uh, ring walk gear. So I thought that that was a wonderful thing that we should bring up. I, I felt bad saying that though because I love Wilder so much, but all the excuses and stuff that he's had are all just so ridiculous. But They've absolutely been ridiculous. And when you have Tyson going to the mat for you saying like, hey, it's part of the process after you lose you make some excuses you gotta you know it's all part of the healing process yeah the only the only other thing that was ridiculous was that we were able to go the entire night the entire night but because they had a crowd we couldn't hear the corners like we have been able to for the last couple months and so we were all ready to do our drinking game where every time they said pardon our language we were gonna have to do a shot we were all ready for it and then they weren't even playing the audio from the corners so we couldn't hear any cussing or anything and then sean porter said hell he said hell it's not even a cuss word he said hell and then he goes oh excuse my language and right away oh fritz is already up and grabbing the black house i was like god dang it like that's what we're gonna do the first shot on is sean porter saying hell in the broadcast but it was you know overall i don't know that it was the greatest pay-per-view but it wasn't terrible and i think it's mostly because the spence danny garcia fight was so intriguing and then to see everything play out it was worth it it was worth it to see guys that we know we're gonna be seeing again and kind of getting a gauge on what it is they're able to do it was fun it was fun i liked it it was a good time yeah i can't think of a division that's more fun right now at this time i'm going to include danny garcia in there because he proved himself even in this fight might not have been as good as spence but at no point did you think this dude doesn't belong in there with him you Mm -hmm. know what i mean okay so you got danny garcia you got keith thurman okay uh you got errol spence jr you have uh t-bud yeah terrence bud crawford i don't know where the bud comes from but uh i'll (laughs) go with it 
And I don't know what they're testing for these days, Fritz. It's, yeah, uh, absolutely. The world is changing. And then Showtime, Sean Porter. So you have five dudes that could all fight each other at any any given time as long as somebody will sign a contract. Now, that, the one I want. That it, makes the division fun. Yeah, I totally agree. The one that I want is Spence and T-Bud. Like, they've been kind of, you know, they've gone at it back and forth for a long time now. And I think that the beginning of 2021 is the perfect time, especially with both of them coming off of wins. And it's just kind of, it's time. It's time. I think that that's the fight everybody wants to see and I pray and I hope that they make it happen but that's the one that I think would be the best okay I hope it happens too but I don't think that it's going to be the first one out of the box uh Spence's next fight I don't think is going to be against Crawford I just don't think it's going I would love to see Crawford take on Porter that's his mandatory right now like get in there with Porter that would be you know at least a legit 147 in his prime okay where the last two dudes that he's fought were not in their prime Kel Brook was a great fighter he's not at the top of his game anymore Amir Khan is just a name anymore like that. He should not have been in the ring with Crawford. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see Porter take on Crawford and maybe let's do Spence Thurman. And then, uh, you know what? The name we even forgot to mention in there was Pacquiao. Like he's got a belt for WBA. Like, but don't you, don't you have to give up the belt after you hit 90? I would How old think is so. he now? Like that's 42. All right. 402. So, that's crazy. I didn't know humans yeah. could live that long. Yeah. So, you know what? Give me any of those dudes and uh, those six that I named matching up against each other and I'll buy the pay-per-view. I think I'd be in for any of them except for Filipino Yoda. I don't know that I need to see him anymore. It's just time to retire, call it a day. I'm sure he thinks he has some gas in the tank. I know people think he does, but um, no, just, just step away from the game while you can still be a senator and uh, maybe join up with Tyson in the Legends League and just make money that way. I would love that too, but you know he's come, you know he's going to fight one or two more times, right? Yeah, I don't need to see him destroy any more Mexicans. It hurts me every time. I don't need to see it anymore. Well, if you're ever feeling really low, then just watch uh, Marquez 4 and (laughs) (laughs) you'll be reminded of uh, the better days. The glory days. Yeah. So I think that's all our action from this week. If you guys will do us a favor and uh, rate the show after you're done listening, you know, throw a good review on there. Throw the five stars. And this week, you know, why don't you tell a friend? You know you don't watch the fights by yourself. So why don't you tell your buddy that you watch the fights with? Like, hey, tune into Punches and Punchlines. Give them a rating and uh, subscribe to them. So you don't even uh, you don't even have to search it out after you subscribe. It just they'll bring it right to you. Yeah, you know, a lot of the boxing podcasts that I have found are so pretentious and so boring. So that when you presented the idea of doing this podcast to me, I thought it was a great idea because there's tons of podcasts like this for other sports. They have it for MMA. They have it for wrestling. They have it for baseball where it's just fans talking just goofy stuff and, and trying to find the lighter side of things, but it's not like taking itself too seriously. So that's kind of, I think, the niche that we're shooting for here because it doesn't exist. There is no fun boxing podcast where it's people that are just fans and that just love the sport and that's it. It's always somebody trying to find some kind of insider angle where they overanalyze stuff and it's it, it can be too much sometimes. So yeah, I definitely think, you know, spread the word. It's just two guys having fun that really love the sport and appreciate it and and want to be able to talk and communicate with other people that enjoy and appreciate it. So follow us on Instagram, on Twitter, search Punches and Punchlines. You can find us on all sorts of platforms, whether it's Deezer, Google, Amazon, Apple. I can't even think of what other ones are. Uh, Spotify. You can, say, you can say, hey, hey, uh, not hey Siri, uh, hey Alexa, play Punches and Punchlines podcast and they'll do it for you. I think Siri does it as well. Oh, all does. Of them. I believe it. She's, yeah. she's just as capable of Alexa. That's the fight I 
I want to see in 2021. Siri versus Alexa. It could be on the undercard of uh, Serrano versus Katie Taylor. There you go. Thank you for listening to Punches and Punchlines. Make sure you like, subscribe, and comment. And we'll see you again next week when we break down the best fights with a sense of humor.